Hello, my name is Maggie Taggart and I've been a senior broadcast journalist for over 40 years, mostly with the BBC in Northern Ireland. For this series of podcasts on making equality a priority, I've linked up with the Equality Commission to highlight the need for reform of Northern Ireland's equality laws. Today we're talking about the gaps in protection against racial discrimination in the workplace. At present, employers are under no obligation to ensure staff are not harassed by patients, clients and their families, customers or service users. On the other hand, employers are obliged to make sure staff are free from harassment by their colleagues and they must have policies in place to cover that. Today I have three guests who all work in the health and social care field. They are Camilla Manju, Beverly Simpson and Wai Fun Wong. Some of their experiences of racial harassment may shock you, but it certainly does exist. And we'll also hear from the Equality Commission's Catherine McNichol that there is a need for new laws to strengthen the rights of people in Northern Ireland against racial discrimination and harassment. Now, I'm going to introduce all three of you and then hopefully we'll all have a, a group chat and you can fire in with your experiences and what you think about what other people are saying. And the first person is, is Camilla. She's a social worker at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. She's also co-chair of the Belfast Trust's Ethnic Minorities Staff Network. She has faced racial harassment and is also in a position to describe how other colleagues have been treated by patients and their families. Beverly works in a care home in Derry and has nursed in Northern Ireland for 16 years. She says the experience of ethnic minorities can vary widely depending on the support of their line managers. And why Fun was a nurse in the Belfast Trust for 12 years and now she helps to train the nurses of the future. First of all, Camilla, do you hear of many instances of racial harassment in the hospital setting and what usually happens from the management point of view? Um, from what I have seen in my experience working in the hospital is that there is a lack of understanding with regards to the needs of nurses and even doctors and social workers as to what is it that is uh, we would expect them, how we would expect them to treat us. For example, if someone is faced with an incident of racial harassment or discrimination, there's always seems to be an impression of what would you want me to do rather than a duty of care to actually protect people. So there's a need for some sort of education or direction from the management and the colleagues. That's right. I think whilst I understand that there needs to be consent and we want to empower people themselves to come forward with incidents and to be able to seek the help that they need. But if the environment is not created in a way that people will actually feel safe and secure to bring up uh, incidents, then that's not going to happen. So we need uh, managers to be proactive in how they do things and what they do. Creating that environment itself is very important. Can you give me some details of specific incidents either you have faced or or other people that you've helped have faced? While uh, most of the places would say that they have a zero tolerance policy, I have seen on the wards how some of the nurses have been treated or have families and the service users would talk to them. I've had patients actually tell me that they would rather not have this nurse deal with them because they couldn't understand them whenever they were talking. In that case, I didn't feel that uh, they were being supported for that. Instead of actually trying to support them to deal with this, it was given an exchange, okay, we'll get you someone else to deal with this. Which is not really tackling the problem. Beverly, you, you, you've worked in hospitals and now in a care home. Well, what were your experiences and, and is, is one the situation better than the other? I think they're generally the same. It depends on your line management 
and how they approach the abuse or microaggression. Some managers will just say it's wrong and it's not acceptable. And some others will dance around the problem and let you feel like you're complaining a lot and you're the one that is actually instigating it. So I think it's, it's directly who's in charge, how to deal with it at a time. It will either take the case forward or it will solve the matter or escalate. Because then you leave feeling you're not being heard or you're being heard. What sort of things were said to you when you were in the hospital situation? Oh, I was told to go get a nurse. They would just kind of look through me and says, go get a nurse. And one time I was told to find somebody that can speak dairy. <laughs> I was like, this is how do you speak dairy? And it says, get me somebody that can actually talk dairy. So um, it's, it's, it's very prevalent. But some of the managers would tell them, right, you're dealing with this nurse and that's it. While others will just classify and try to please the families. And they will send another nurse. So the family kind of feel it's okay. And what's it like now dealing with an older generation in the care homes in Derry? The older generation are not used to black people. It's hard for them. They're trying to wash my hands. <laughs> and, and not in a bad way. And it says, oh, you, had a, you have a nice suntan. <laughs> and, uh, they don't understand the older generation in the nursing home. They don't know about a lot of black people around more than what they saw a movie. And some never saw. So it's a whole different ballgame. So you don't need to, to complain or take offense in those situations? In some, offense, in some situations, they're downright racist. And like that, you do need to complain. But on the ones like if this is you get a nice stand and they're trying to wash your hand off, you realize it's more confusion. But then the ones that will say, well, you need to go back home or try to literally run you down with, with a wee walker, you know. In a way, that's sort of funny, but it's not very funny when you're the object of it and, and the target. No, it's not funny when you're the object. Wifon, what's your experience? Yeah, so I was trying to think of actual things that actually happened to me in the past, and some of them can be funny, as Beverly said, but um, in terms of whenever it was actually racist, I do remember an incident as a student nurse during my placement at a long-term kind of stay area, and she, this patient asked me what my name was, and my name is quite kind of different, it's wife on, so he started saying the rhyme who flung dung. And so then this kind of escalated. So it was a bit of a joke at the start, but then he started saying, who flung dung at the darkies? Who flung dung at the darkies? And I kind of, in a nervous kind of laugh, kind of didn't really take it seriously, but a staff nurse with an earshot uh, confronted the patient and did actually tell him his behavior was completely unacceptable. And this kind of progressed into, um, she took me out of the room to comfort me just to make sure I was okay. And by this stage I said, look, I mean, I am okay. It's just, you know, but she said, look, I had to nip that in the bud. It, it was just going into the situation. It was, he just needed to know that it wasn't fair. So the, the patient who was spoken to was very upset at accusation. And, but in that case, I think that was a good example of how, you know, management was looking after me. In terms of that, then we had to fill an incident report form and it was escalated, you know, to, to management. So I think that was a good case. Um, a second example, essentially, I was doing a bank shift and I was a couple of years qualified by the stage. And during the handover, we were told by the staff nurse that this particular patient had been quite racist and was making derogatory statements as, you know, basically calling all Orientals as Japs and telling them to go home and all this sort of thing. So I was prepared for him a little bit. 
But what I didn't understand was this patient was obviously not confronted at any stage by management uh, because he was she was continuing to be racist to every staff member that came in. So when I came to to give her medications, she 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 kind of mocked me and said she didn't understand what I said, even though I was speaking in the most Belfast accent that, that I could speak. But she refused for me to care for her. So in terms of that, I don't know what management did previous to this. I was coming in as a bank nurse, as I said. And so it kind of makes me think. So those were the two two extremes of the fact that yes management did stick up for me the first case but the second case I don't think anything was done to this you know was was spoken this patient wasn't spoken to or nothing was acted upon we were just warned by other staff members that this this might happen to and you know and I've had experiences as Beverly said you know when you you know has become a bit of a joke situation um another situation I remember I went to empty a catheter and I had a patient's relative actually ask me if I was Thai. I said, no, no, I'm not Thai. Then she, he asked me, are you Vietnamese? And I said, no. And he says, so what are you then? To which I said, well, I'm Chinese. And he says, well, I can speak a bit of Chinese. Then he started making some nonsensical Chinese sounds that he thought sounded a bit Chinese. Um, it was very racist. It was very, very racist. But I didn't really escalate that. And I think there's a part of that because it happens so regularly, sometimes in a jokey way that sometimes we don't escalate it in that way. So I think management, if I if I did brought up, I, I'm hoping would have done something in that situation. And I know a couple of my colleagues were disgusted by this, you know. Um, so there's a couple of examples there that I faced over the years. There's, there's more, but, you know, that's just some of them. Can I ask all of you what you think the difference might be if it was enshrined in law that this was was banned? Do you think it would make a material difference on the wards or in the care home? It will. They'll be legally obligated because they're not. They turn a blind eye. The, like the few will turn. I could count four managers in all the years that actually call out that patient or the relative and says, look, you're, it's not acceptable. The rest just turn away and it was acceptable to them but not to the person affected because they're not legally bound. Even if there is laws in place, if people are not reporting it, then it's it's not going to be of any use. It's the same as anything else. So it has to be about and and encouraging staff, encouraging people to come forward and reporting those if the laws are in place. But already we know that if the laws are not in place, people already know what is the point of reporting certain things. You do feel that there's a chip on your shoulders and you're constantly raising issues about race and you don't want to be known as that person. So it shouldn't have to be you uh, raising a complaint all the time. Other people should should spot it and, and act uh, in advance. Absolutely. Sometimes people don't realise and we laugh together with those people until they realise the reaction of people or they will reflect on it or they are confronted about it and I think it's uh, it, they become complicit then of the action if, don't, if they don't stand up to it and they don't do anything about it. Wifon, now that you're involved in, in training, how would you advise your staff to react if they are facing this sort of harassment? I think it's easy as a third party to give advice, to suggest things of how you kind of deal with situations whenever it's you're faced with it yourself. I and mean, we do advise people to be assertive without being aggressive and speaking up and things like that. But as a recipient of racial abuse or things like that in a workplace, it's, it's, it makes it slightly more difficult because it's only in reflection that you realize that that has actually happened. You know, you, you don't deal with it at the time. So it's a very difficult 
one that I'm not sure if Camila and Beverly agree with you. You sometimes you reflect on it, maybe like an hour later or a day later, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe someone said that to me. And it's almost like, you know, you haven't dealt with that situation because it's like surpassed then. But like we do um, talk about assertion and like, you know, being assertive in like different situations in terms of an organization and, you know, developing your kind of staff and things like that. So I don't know, but you guys, if you feel the same way, I kind of feel you don't think about that situation until you're out of it and you haven't had time to kind of, and, until you reflect about it. I think it's just shock that a patient asked me for a joint. It was more the shock. And then I walk away and I said, he actually asked me for a joint. And then and, and I went back another day and he says, can I have a joint? And I says, why do you think I would have a joint? And he says, you're from Jamaica. So they have all these ideas in their heads. And I think it's the shock of it that you leave and then you think about it. As a, I mean, as a healthcare frontline worker, you know, you are in the mode of caring for patients. You're not in the mode of conflict or anything like that. So it's, it's whenever that is said to you, particularly if like I was brought up here, um, I always wanted to, to kind of merge or, you know, embed myself into this culture of Northern Ireland. And I've always done that. I've, I have a lot of uh, connections and friends here. So it's difficult whenever you're in that mode and you're nursing somebody, you're looking after somebody and then suddenly someone says something to you, but you're but you're in that caring mode. You're not in that kind of, you know, oh, conflict mode. <laughs> so it's like, I suppose, like if I was to kind of think about how I would bring that into organization development, I would kind of think about maybe being a bit more aware of whenever things are being said to you and a bit more kind of conscious about certain things and then kind of having a process perhaps, you know, um, of how you can be a bit more assertive and what's the next steps, you know, if this legislation kind of passes, you know. So, so I guess there's there's that, that part of that. There needs to be some kind of process mapping you know, if, if, that, if it happens. I agree with that because a lot of the time you don't realise it's happening to you. I mean, there's been loads of incidents that happens and I will realise it sometimes a week even after or whenever it happens again. I refer to those as mosquito bites because you get bit each and every time and sometimes you don't really pay attention to what's being said or you just brush it off as, oh, it's just, you normalise it over time because it happens so much. And at one point, there will be one thing that triggers it and you will actually lose it. It, it will be the one thing that set you up and you set you off and you're really distraught by that incident. But whenever you realize that everything that has happened has led to that moment. So it does take a lot of reflection to actually realize that this is happening to you. There's been focus group uh, conducted where whereabouts when you would actually ask people, have you ever faced racial discrimination or harassment? And they will say no. But then when you delve into it and you tell them about microaggression, you tell them about some of the examples, they'd be like, oh, that happened to me. So they don't really realize it. For example, I grew up in Mauritius and I've never had any of these issues. I was never a minority. So when these things happen now, it's kind of a shock. But over time, I've been here 16 years, over time you normalise some of it. Catherine, from the Equality Commission's point of view, there is already racial discrimination law and I believe there was third party protection. But what happened? So there was third party protection in Great Britain under the Equality Act 2010, but that was never brought in here. So we in Northern Ireland never had protection against third party harassment. Um, it was ruled out in GB in the name of red tape, a move which was criticised by the UN. Here we would like to see it introduced um, where employers are liable if they fail to take reasonably practical steps to prevent the racial harassment of an employee by a third party. And that's 
right across the different sectors from the problems in the healthcare sector that we've heard about today as well as shops, bars and everywhere anybody has a job. Um, we recommend employers are liable if they know that the employee has been subjected to third party harassment on one previous occasion before or where they ought to be reasonably aware of the risk that somebody might be harassed. Employees should be able to challenge their employers if they do not take these reasonable steps to protect their staff in the same way that we think about health and safety laws. So would an extension of the law to, to cover people being abused, for instance, in, in the healthcare setting by, by patients and their families, would that go further than is currently in Great Britain? Yes, it absolutely would go further. Um, as I said, there was previous provisions in GB to protect against third party harassment, but that only lasted for about three years between 2010 and 2013 before it was repealed by the coalition government. We want similar provisions to come in here to ensure that employees are protected by their employers. And what's the extent of the changes you would like to see in Northern Ireland? So we would like to see this in racial equality law, but would also like to see it you know, across the equality grounds that employees can challenge their employers if their employers do not take reasonable steps to protect and prevent racial harassment. That might be signs, it might be making sure that there's policies in place to prevent harassment. And it's about getting in, and as Fun said earlier, you know, I've not been in the situation myself, and it's hard to imagine what it's like to deal with that in the moment. Employers should be taking steps to prevent it before it happens and protect their employees. And Beverly, Fun, and Camilla, do you think any change in the law would make a big difference to, to your, your life quality in Northern Ireland? Yes, I think it will, you know. Because like I said, the care homes that we work in, there's a lot of migrant workers and of ethnic minority, mainly black nurses and carers um, that are vulnerable. So it would make a big difference. They're the ones that are exposed and afraid to come forward because of immigration issues and a lot of other small issues that they may not want to come forward. But if the law is there, they can openly challenge the employers that will sit back and let them be abused. So do you feel resentful about your employers at the moment? No, no. I'm quite happy with my current employer. My manager had worked for years in Birmingham. So he's acutely aware of migration issues and he's willing to learn. And if they get a support and a training, I'm sure most of the employers will know what to do. Some of them don't know what to do, so they walk away and they leave you to deal with it. That's what I find in most of the cases. They're not sure what to do. I agree with Beverly about this idea of actually not knowing what to do. Managers, and even though they are supportive and they, they do respect you and they do, there's a there's this case of, I guess, not having the flowchart or a kind of like a, a, a kind of process that they follow, you know, if this kind of happens, you know, they're there to support me. You know, my, my, my last my manager was fantastic. My ward sister was fantastic. And if I had brought this to her to her attention, that she would have definitely said, done something. But I guess there's no at the moment, there's no kind of process that they, they do follow um, like officially uh, to kind of do it. But I think the change in the law to make it, you know, just to know that we are protected, that there is something there to protect us if, if need be. I mean, if I do go to agency shifts, do bank shifts, do anything, you know, kind of go back into the hospital to work. At least I know if that's if something is in place that I know that I can challenge that. So it's, it's, it is really nice to know that there's some kind of protection for, for me, because 
previously I would have kind of thought, well, if they say something, I can't really say anything, you know, because they're a patient. It's different if it was a colleague, but as a patient, I, I kind of felt like I couldn't really even challenge that. I didn't, because you're, you're almost not in that kind of uh, capacity to kind of even challenge them in a negative way because you're nursing them, you're looking after them. But it's good to know that there's some kind of protection there in the background. And Camilla, how do you feel that your employers are dealing with it at the moment? I think there is a commitment, certainly, in wanting to deal with it better. Uh, with the setup of the network and looking at the race pledge and engaging with uh, chief executive team, I find that there has been more engagement, there is more willingness. But what we need to see is more actions rather than just words. So whilst we're waiting for the laws to come in, there should be a commitment and willingness to do better and to be better. And I can see that within my role as the chair of the network at the minute. And I can see that there is a there is a willingness to do so and they are engaging with that speaking to us and creating that environment where we can actually tell them what to do and they are holding their hands up as to we haven't always got it right but we're willing to do better that's fascinating and that's some good news to finish on thank you all very much camilla beverly Wai fun and catherine thank you for joining us today if you've enjoyed this podcast, you'll be able to find more recordings on the topic of reforming Northern Ireland's equality laws. They feature a range of speakers and will be on the Equality Commission's website or wherever you find your favourite podcasts.